following program may contain coarse language, suggestive dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. episode of the Tanami Faithful Podcast. Today I am your host Kuro and with me I have Sketch and Hey folks, it's me Lord and Celia Rose. Hi guys. Well, it's Thanksgiving and we are very thankful for all of the ladies of Tsunami. This includes an impressive list of women in roles of production, writing, directing, voice acting, and some of our favorite female protagonists throughout the past few years. Um, so to begin the discussion, I want to talk about some of the incredible women who do the behind-the-scenes work for the industry. By this, I mean production, directorial work, writing, art, and more. Traditionally, I'm sure we all know the entertainment industry has been a male-dominated one, and not just in the United States, but in Japan as well. In Japan, uh, roles... Uh, for women were primarily relegated to something called shiage. And hopefully I've said this correctly and feel free to raise me on Twitter if I didn't. Now, shiage means something akin to finishing touches. And that's something more like inking and coloring. If we think of today, um, the reason these, these roles were filled by women is because they were primarily advertised to women and they were considered low-skilled and downplayed in their importance. We all know how important these finishing touches are because they really make the difference in the watching, in the viewer experience. So over the years, we've seen these roles paving the way for other more prominent roles in more executive roles. Specifically, we see at Adult Swim, uh, uh, two incredible females who serve it for production for Adult, for adult Swim, uh, Vice President Chris Hartley. Uh, one key project of hers is FLCL Progressive and Alternative. Another key female vice president of programming for Adult Swim and Cartoon Network. She's worked there for 18 years. Very impressive resume. And this is Kim Manning. Sketch, what do you want to say about these lovely ladies? Well, Chris Hartley, she basically makes everything happen at Adult Swim, like the day-to-day operations. She's keeping everything on track, on schedule, so that everything airs when it's supposed to, handling all the meetings, all that. I mean, frankly, the whole thing would really fall apart without her. So mm-hmm. thank you, Chris, for all your hard work over the years. And Kim Manning, who has been with Adult Swim since its beginning, she has been selecting the shows for Adult Swim uh, occasionally with the help of Mike Lazo and now with the likes of Jason DeMarco and Gil Austin. But Kim Manning has always been a driving force in what gets picked up for Adult Swim, particularly on the anime side. And she brought such great shows as Paranoia Agent. She was a proponent of bringing on something a little different, like Pop Team Epic. Uh, Way back when, she tried to get Elf in lead, but it was deemed too much for them to edit around. And she she felt it was important not to let that get butchered. 
So good on her. I think she has brought a lot of amazing shows to the table. And I think we obviously have to thank her for all the great work that she has done over at Adult Swim and Cartoon Network over the years. I think it's fair to say that she's been really instrumental in, in what we've been able to watch throughout, you know, our, our childhood as we in a traditional old school tsunami to today, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I feel like they've, like Sketch said, they've been kind of just central parts of really kind of keeping tsunamis just kind of weekly flow going and really kind of bringing in that creativity in, so... And also, like, making sure a lot of that content we're getting is the best content possible and the best presentation possible. Ooh, and speaking of presentation, Sarah Hardy, the amazing editor working for Toonami, who has been with Toonami since way back when. And ever since Toonami came back, she's been churning away at making quality promos and interstitials and all that good stuff for, you know... (laughs) How many years now? Seven? About seven, almost eight years now. Wow, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was doing it before Toonami came back, too. So, yeah, she's... And, of course, she also does other work for Adult Swim. But absolutely wouldn't be the same without her or without Chris or without Kim. It'd be a very different Toonami experience without those fine ladies. And, of course... Dana Swanson taking up the role of Sarah. I mean, what else needs to be said? She's Sarah. Absolutely. I don't think we it would be the same if you didn't have the Tom-Sarah duo. And mm-hmm. she's been doing that role since 2013. She's essentially a co-host for the show. And she's made appearances not just doing the little blips you see where she has those funny moments with Tom, but she also does pre-flight when there was a pre-flight. Um, the Toonami events, Intruder, Forge, Countdown. Um, she She's a part of the game review. And she makes appearances at cons, too. In fact, she's done, you know, some some um, interviews and press panels with some of our own mm-hmm. people. I dare say that she is as much of an ambassador off-air as she is on-air. Yeah, for sure. Like, I was a fan of, like, uh, Dana's work even before, Sarah. Like, I remember, like... Uh... She's part of like that band, uh, La Sexoflex, who did mm-hmm. that uh, one Aqua Teen Hunger Force song. Yes. Like, I like your booty, but I'm not gay. <laughs> I like your booty, but I'm not, but I'm gay. not gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like it was really cool when like she was brought on as Sarah, and she's just done such an amazing job. And she has like a great pre- uh, presence even outside of like that, just on social media and at cons. Like, she's just like a great member of the Tsunami community. Yeah, I really think that uh, she's played a pretty big role. I actually didn't know very much about Dana Swanson prior to uh, doing work for Toonami Faithful. So really seeing how far back her career goes and really how big of a role she plays in everything is really cool to see. And I'm glad that we have her voicing Sarah. It's nice to have that consistency every week. And I think that she and Steve Bloom play off each other really well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that um, I thought we, we could do is talk about some of our uh, some of the, the women that we admire in these industries, aside from these notable characters who are specific to Adult Swim and Toonami production. Um, I like to discuss Maki Terashima Furuta. She, of course, is the vice president of production IG Studios and 
IG Studios USA. Um, she's been the executive producer on several programs, the FLCL, Turnitin Progressive, Stanwell and Me, just to name a few. Um, she's working now on Uzumaki. Uh, she has a really great relationship with uh, Jason and Gil over at um, over at Adult Swim. And she also has a great relationship with the Toonami Faithful. I was really pleased to have been able to meet her um, during um, AX this last year. And V-Lord can attest to this. We've got these fantastic tickets to go see this wonderful uh, show where there was, it was composed music from different programs. So uh, that was that was really wonderful. She's super kind, super funny. Um, she's got really a great personality, really witty, and uh, just a really smart, uh, vibrant woman. She's such a delight. And, mm -hmm. I mean, it's really understated, but this woman basically is Production IG US. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> the only one there. She's making all the work happen. And she has her hand in so many projects. Like, she's got tons of stuff for Netflix. She's got tons of stuff for other companies and of course tsunamis like pretty much any production ig thing and sometimes not even just production ig things she's got her hand in like all of that stuff and it's a very busy lady <laughs> yeah she she really is the face of production ig like in the u.s and like i think ever since like we've kind of seen maki really like be in that role for production IG. Like I've seen a lot bigger presence just for production IG works in the US too, which is like really cool. And like uh, Kuro said, she's just like a really nice person. Like I unfortunately did not get to meet her at Anime Expo last year because I was like running myself rampant doing other things. <laughs> like uh, like how Anime Expo usually goes. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she was kind enough to give like CJ Kuro and I like a. Uh, concert tickets to like the Yoshihiro Ike concert which was amazing it was amazing and, yeah I've heard nothing but great things about her so yeah she's definitely a great member of the industry hmm I think on the US side of the industry one lady who does absolutely marvelous work in dubbing is Stephanie Shea working through NYAV Post she is put together some absolutely fantastic casts for various TV shows and films. And what she does over at NYAV Post is like nobody else does. They go to great lengths to get the right person for the role. Like in a silent voice, they got an actress who was deaf. And mm -hmm. more recently in the finally dubbed version of Tokyo Godfathers, they got a trans woman to play Hana. Who else goes to that effort? I honestly don't think anybody else in the industry really does. So yeah. she is so amazing for doing that. But I mean, her, her work is fantastic. She's part of your childhood. She voiced Hinata. She voiced Mamimi, Elreka. Orihime, she's been so many great characters, but as a director, she's just doing amazing things in the industry, and we have to salute that because the more inclusive the industry becomes, and uh, also the way that the industry 
often kind of gets huddled into its own little spots. But a company like NYAV Posts was a real trailblazer in getting people from multiple regions, getting people in dubs from both Los Angeles and New York, uh, even getting some people from Canada into some productions, I believe. So we're seeing a lot more of that now, which is fantastic. But NYAV Post was one of the first companies to really go after that, probably because they have uh, both a studio in NY New York and also Los Angeles, which helps in that regard. But uh, yeah. she she and Mike Center Nicholas are just doing great things. And you make an excellent point about bringing the gender balance to the workforce. It it brings diversity to thought, idea, and decision making, and that's why it's so important to have that that diverse presence in this element of the industry. I think one person I, I really love is Michelle Ruff. I mean, mm-hmm. like she's been in a ton of shows like that have been on Adult Swim and Tanami. I mean, like I think Bleach is kind of the obvious one because Rukia. And I think for me, though, like my favorite role of hers is definitely Fujiko. Like she very much kind of embodies that role. Um, And like she's like the definitive Fujiko in my eyes. And I think like because she's just been around so long, I feel I always commonly associate kind of these strong female characters with her performances, which I think is always like just left such a great like impression on me. And I think that's definitely something that's kind of stuck with me, like growing up with anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Celia, who are some uh, industry ladies you want to discuss? There is a couple. So the first one is um, Mary Elizabeth McLynn. She was actually the first person I thought of when I thought of uh, women in the industry that mm-hmm. are really special to me. Um, not just because she voiced a lot of characters that I really enjoyed when I was getting into anime in, in middle school and high school. Um, like she voices Kurenai in Naruto and Naruto Shippuden. She is the voice of Major Motoko Kusanagi for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there are other women who have played other versions of the Major in different Ghost in the Shell installments, but her voice is like the voice. Um, but the other thing about her that I think is really special and I didn't realize until much later is that she's been working as an ADR and voice director for a really long time. Um, some of her most notable works as an ADR director are Cowboy Bebop, Naruto, Shippuden, the TV and series and the movies, um, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, Bleach. Like this woman does so much work and she has such an iconic voice that when you hear it, you know it's her right away. You can't miss her. Absolutely. ADR production is so important in getting that smooth finished uh, product that you have you know when you're when you're especially because so almost everything we get is dubbed and you need to have like not necessarily complete lip syncing but you you want to feel a connection between the way the characters are moving and talking to what is being said so that's a really crucial role and it's great that there's so many females who are taking taking the spotlight in ADR direction yes yeah, speaking of which One of my favorite ladies, Colleen Clinkenbeard, has become quite the ADR director over the years. One of her first, possibly her, actually her first gig was assisting on uh, Fullmetal Alchemist. She was kind of tag teamed that with Mike McFarlane, which, I mean, Fullmetal Alchemist 2003 is such an amazing dub. Way to knock it out of the park on your first try. (laughs) But now, 
Now she's doing My Hero Academia, which is fantastic. And the people that she gets for that dub are sensational. A lot like Stephanie Shea, she like pulls from all over to get the right voice for these characters, people from Los Angeles and other regions, mm-hmm. along with the, you know, constantly growing voice pool in Texas. And of course, she's also a fantastic actress voicing many iconic characters uh hawkeye on full metal alchemist she is the voice of monkey d luffy in english and she does a bang-up job as that character and of course she was uh in space dandy as oh gosh what does her name escape me i love that character b lord help me scarlet yeah scarlet yeah yeah scarlet in space dandy yeah Yeah. that's a really great segue sketch because when we think about traditional uh anime and action animation the big things that come to mind are of course one piece and naruto and hunter hunter and guess what the the voice actors for those main characters are all female we have male flanagan who's been the voice of uh naruto uzumaki since 2005 um we have Erica Mendez, who's been the voice of, of Gone. And as you said, Colleen Klinkenbeard is the voice of Monkey D. Luffy. And I think it's really interesting. You know, you could obviously getting that prepubescent sound would be more ideal from a female rather than a male. But, you know, you could easily get a child, a, a, a male child to voice these. But the fact that these women are essentially the voice of the top characters of an- traditional anime says a lot about how important of a role they play in in, in the you know shonen verse. Mm-hmm. And before yeah. all of them, not only as little Goku. <sighs> right. It's actually really interesting in in the English dubbing side of the industry anyways because in japan it's actually fairly common for women to voice young male characters um because that's where Mm -hmm. their vocal range is at but because usually when you listen to the voices of adult women who speak english they don't always meet that vocal register that you need for that child or adolescent age so i think it actually says a lot that women like male flanagan and colin clinkenbeard they have the range and the consistency in their voice to continue playing these characters after over a decade. Yeah. And they're still the iconic voice for this character. So I think that speaks a lot to their talent as actresses. But over in Japan, the only voice of Goku, Masako Nozawa, still doing it for Mm -hmm. how many years? Uh, She, uh, since at least the early 80s, I want to say the first Dragon Ball show was like 1980-something, 1980. Yeah. And she's an old, old woman. She's also one of the most revered actresses in the industry. It's so crazy, too, because, like, Masako Nozawa still sounds amazing after all these years. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. When I think of her, I think of when she does those videos where she does, ka me ha It's just, those are fantastic. And if you haven't seen them... Just YouTube. It's it's really great to see this tiny, you know, Japanese lady screaming out the Kamehameha. <laughs> and she still nails it every movies. time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. In my bones, I feel it. 
better than when like we do i would even say when we do it at those like those panels you know where everybody screams it just for fun like it mm -hmm. it's just that's her voice that's who you think of when you think of that sound <laughs> yeah. true that well, aside from some some notable male characters who were voiced by incredibly talented female actresses, you know, we just have female actresses who are talented in a variety of ways. Um, they show incredible depth of range and able to do multiple characters. Uh, Cheremy leaves the voice of Asuna in addition to many other, many other characters in Sailor Moon. Soul Eater, uh, Gundam IBO, Boruto, and she's been really generous with her time with Tsunami Faithful. Um, also, there's Erica Mendez, as we mentioned, who's done work not just as, as Gone, but she was Ryoko in Kill a Kill. She's been in Sailor Moon, Yuko in SAO, Gundam IBO. Um, she was in My Hero Academia. She was Young Polnareff in JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. And these are just a few. Emma! Promise Neverland. Yeah, yeah, Emma yeah. From Promise Neverland. And she's now doing Tawa and Yashihime. Um, mm -hmm. And these are just two two voice actors I particularly admire. They both have great relationships with Tsunami Faithful. They've both done interviews um, with members of the crew. And they're all, you can find them online at the Tsunami Faithful YouTube and on uh, Tsunami Faithful website. Um, yeah, any, any voice actresses that you really admire you like to discuss well as far as friends of tsunami faithful go i would be remiss if i did not mention one of my personal favorites probably my favorite of our uh, female guests that we've had christina marie kelly who mm -hmm. of course was mine on a comic a kill and more recently has been voicing alice on food wars but we've had her on a few times and she is so much fun and she has been such a big supporter of us and of Toonami that I, I really had to give her a shout out and over on Twitter in the past uh, in the recent year there's been I would say more uh, voice actors and actresses kind of plugging Toonami from the week to week but one that I wanted to highlight and we do have at least one short video interview with her is uh, Kristen McGuire, who, when Dr. Stone was airing, was like, always there every week. We're going to live tweet Toonami. We're going to yeah. talk about Dr. Stone. She, of course, yeah. voiced Rory. She's also in My Hero Academia. I'm pretty sure she's in mm -hmm. Black Clover and, like, so many other Funimation dubs. And she is also, uh, I believe, a director for various shows. and Or maybe she's just... Not just, but she's definitely a writer. She writes a lot of uh, scripts for various dubs. And she's so fun. You should follow her on Twitter at Chris Comics. I love how plugged in she is to the Toonami Faithful Twitter. I mean, Toonami Twitter in general. Like, it's so great when you see people tweeting with their fans on the shows they're voicing. It's it's really, really, uh, it makes the experience more full and it makes more fun for me personally. Yeah, I definitely have to echo that, especially for uh, Kristen McGuire. Like, I uh, interviewed her back at, like, uh, Anime NYC last year, and, like, she talked a lot about kind of just the sheer effort that goes into a lot of, like, her ADR scripts, and it's kind of insane. Like, 
she'll go through read like the actual source material for a lot of them just to make sure like she's covering all her bases and you can tell she puts a lot of passion into what she does like not mm-hmm. only the voice acting but just the actual production of the dubs themselves which mad respect for that mm-hmm. like i highly recommend this is not a tanami show but highly recommend checking out the dub of uh that time i got reincarnated as a slime oh yeah her work on that is amazing <laughs> That's a good and she's also wonderful as Millen. yeah she definitely is yeah, I mean, we can, obviously, we we mostly focus on the American voice actresses and actors because that's what we see on Toonami, but these are dubs, of course, of Japanese originals. And um, Celia, do you want to talk about some of the incredible Japanese voice talent? Um. Yeah, so I don't have any Japanese voice talent prepared, <laughs> um, but I do have some other, sure. uh, other women in the industry in Japan whose work is not only been uh, featured on Toonami, but also really are landmarks in the animation industry and in manga and pop culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, first, uh, the first lady I'd like to talk about is uh, Sayo Yamamoto. She directed Michiko and Hachin, which has aired on Toonami. Um, she's also directed The Woman Called Fujiko Minne, which is a prequel to the Loop in the Third series, um, and Yuri on Ice, the ice skating anime from 2016, I want to say, 2016, 2017. Oh, gosh, it's been that long. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah. And that film still hasn't come out yet. I know, it's still not out. She's hard at work. Um, She actually also directed the opening for Persona 5, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the The opening opening for for the video game. And, like, the storyboard for the Kakegurui opening, too. Mm Mm-hmm. She has an extensive career as a storyboarder and an episode director prior to her directorial debut with The Woman Called Fujiko Mine. She was a storyboarder and episode director on Eureka 7, Samurai Champloo, Space Dandy, Attack on Titan, um, Mm -hmm. Evangelion 2.0 for the Rebuild films. So so really in Japan, you start at the bottom and you work your way up before you can get up to the directorial position. So this is just the stuff Mm -hmm. she's been credited for explicitly. You know, her career has probably started long before that. So it's really neat seeing her get to a role where she wants to be and telling the kind of stories she wants to tell. Because when you look at stories like Michiko and Hachin, like Yuri on Ice, they're not your stereotypical stories that you see told in anime. They tend to focus on very ethnically diverse casts. Um, Yuri on Ice in particular, where you have foreigners from every, like every country, at least major country you can think of that are all coming together in this one show to compete in the same sport. And I think that's really cool. It was one of the first times I really noticed that anime was taking a more global approach in the kinds Mm. of stories that they're telling. You know, typically the anime industry focuses on the domestic market, but really as the global and international market is increasing because there are more and more international fans that are finding ways to connect and support with the Japanese creators and the Japanese creative teams that you're starting to see more of it reflected in newer projects. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Like I think Sayo Yamamoto is probably like one of my favorite directors out there just cause so much of what she does, I haven't seen from other anime productions. Like I've been very open about the fact that the woman called Fujiko Mine is like my favorite 
Lupin anime and also like I one of my favorite I was wondering if you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. makes me so frustrated that like we couldn't get on Tanami because of all the nudity because I think <laughs> it's really a series that kind of shows like how much you can really explore these characters, especially like Fujiko, like she is probably like done the most with Fujiko's character in like her entire like several decade history and the amount of like uh just thought that she puts into not only female characters but also creating these diverse casts is like really awesome yeah when i think also about uh women in the japan side i think about cowboy bebop one of the lead writers on the series was nobumoto keiko and you know cowboy bebop isn't isn't exactly show known for like a female prominence but and it still is one of the most popular series i think the last time i checked which was a week ago it was leading in the um in the bracket sketch right it won wasn't it oh right yeah so <laughs> so it's it's really good to know that that that's a series that has a a, a big industry presence on the female side yeah absolutely yeah i mean yeah. uh speaking of uh oh go ahead sketch yeah, and uh, of course she went on to work on episodes of Space Dandy, uh, and uh, she went on to to script a good chunk of Wolf's Rain, and uh, well, at least one episode of Samurai Champloo. I mean, yeah, she's, she also she's... done a Carol on Tuesday too. Yes, yes, uh, she she did one episode of Carol on Tuesday. Oh wow, she worked on Macross Plus. I didn't realize that. It's yeah. A very good, Ill OVA series, by the way. Very so, good. So you, you might say that she and Watson Ivy were like joined at the hip for a while. Right. <laughs> but she's uh she's definitely carved out quite a career herself. I I wanted to uh touch on another person prominent in the uh dubbing industry that just came to mind. Uh uh Mami Okada, who is the uh uh, she she's prominently at Bang Zoom. She basically casts everything for Bang Zoom, which I imagine she ha has a good deal of input from the um, Japanese side of things. So she's, you know, you you see her all the time uh, when new dubs are announced that you know she's she was a person who selected the the cast and she does some bang up work selecting some absolutely phenomenal casts for bang zoom and obviously she's a a, a big part of the industry because a lot of shows are bent up by bang zoom yeah i mean like she's like the director of operations for like bang zoom so like mm -hmm. she's kind of keeping that boat afloat right there yeah um i, I think one thing i do want to give mad respect to mommy okada for is like uh she has been like more open like to bring in more kind of diverse voice actors especially as uh more talks have been being brought up about representation bringing people of color into people of color roles and uh bring in characters that really represent or bring in voice actors that actually represent the characters uh, i think we've seen bang zoom do a lot more of that proper representation in the past few years so i i definitely want to give credit where credit's due there mm -hmm. absolutely and uh, a similarly named lady that works on the Japanese side, uh, Mari Okada, who 
is a prominent writer of many anime uh, on the among Toonami shows Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. She wrote that, which could explain why it's a very different kind of Gundam compared to <laughs> some. Yeah, it's so probably. popular too. It's it's inc- it's really. I mean, how many of the TF crew listed it in their top ten? You know, a week ago. So that speaks to how effective it was to have that. As, yeah. As yeah. rating presence. Definitely, a couple. I mean, she's written a lot of movies. Like, pretty sure she wrote Machia. Right. Yeah, she did. Yes. She was the she director and writer. Too. Yeah, yeah. She's uh. She's been a director and writer in like wonderful things like Anohana, which will rip your heart out. <laughs> yeah, she, right. she's very good at doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think Mario Kata is definitely like super talented. Like, oh uh, boy, this is a deep cut. Apparently, she worked on Hamtaro. Oh my oh, God! Oh yeah, God. she did. Yep, she did script for yes. Hamtaro. Yeah. Yeah. I would not have expected that. Dude, this is why we have to bring Hamtaro back. <laughs> we need Hamtaro back on Tanami, guys. No, no. Let's it's good, Kuro, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass. Uh, but no, like, Marukata does so much stuff. Like, she's, like, not only doing, like, a bunch of anime um, still throughout, like, the seasons but like she also writes a manga oh maidens and her savage season which got an anime last year mm. um then she also uh was the series composer for uh, uh the woman called fujikomine uh so another reason go watch the woman called fujikomine because it's amazing yeah i um, figured you'd bring that up <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah yeah also mario kana wants to make it very clear that uh women also think about sex a lot well of course isn't that a given yeah (laughs) of course she's wonderful i think there are very few creators that you encounter really in the course of a lifetime and in the cycles of pop culture that is really good at capturing and portraying emotionality vulnerability and really humanity as well as people like mario kata like really the only other contemporary i can think of that can achieve a similar thing is hideaki ano um, and that's a very rare type of storyteller. You know, you don't encounter those kinds of storytellers very often. I, I think one of the reasons that I'm such a fan of Erica, who I mentioned at the beginning, is um, to go back to our our American voice actresses, is she she gives such an authentic performance. She really pours herself into each character. And she has such a dynamic voice talent, not just the ability to do male and female characters, but to be able to do different tonality and quality in her female characters, like Ryoko, for example, in Kill a Kill, she's got a really gritty voice. And it's very challenging for a voice actor to have to, to, to project in different ways. And so it's, it just really, really shows what incredible talented actress she is. And, and I'm, I'm such a huge admirer of hers, not to mention she's been great with being a part of tweeting you know, on nights when her shows are on or even giving shout outs if she can. She's really friendly with Tsunami Faithful. She gave, CJ told me she was his first interview when he joined the crew. And it was actually really funny because she missed her interview. And he was he was telling me, you know, that, that they were able to do a follow-up and how 
down to earth she was, how kind she was, and how excited she was to be talking about her programs being on television. Because if you think about it in the U.S., most of the work that all of these women do, all of these actors do, doesn't end up on television. So having your work seen by potentially a wider audience outside of, you know, the typical streaming industry is is really special. Yeah, and uh, Erica is also a director now. She's mm -hmm. uh, directed lots of great stuff, like the the dub for the the movie "I Want to Eat Your Pancreas." Which is also a very good movie. Yes, it is. Strangely named, but very good. It makes sense when you see it. Don't worry, there's no... Well, I shouldn't say there's no organ eating involved. Because <laughs> they do go to that one restaurant. And she's like, oh, you gotta try these organs. I mean, those organs look pretty tasty, though. Don't lie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is it is one of those euphemisms that doesn't translate very gracefully into English, no. for sure. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, another, like, uh, thing that she's done in a more production role, too, is uh, the, she did, like, the script adaptation for, like, a good chunk of The Promised Neverland, which, I mean, as much mm. as problems I have with the anime for Neverland, like, the script is really good. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And you've heard me talk endlessly about how important good script is in dubbing, so I can appreciate I can appreciate a smooth script and something, especially as something as complex as The Promised Neverland. Mm -hmm. Well, we could probably talk for hours about some of the really talented voice actresses. Um, if you're interested, you can check out the Tanami Faithful uh, YouTube channel where there are interviews with Monica Real, known for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, one Piece, Soul Eater, Dead Man Wonderland, Michiko Hachin, Tokyo Ghoul, um, up and coming SSS Gridman, uh, Black Clover, and many, many others. Uh, there's interviews with Allegra Clark from Demon Slayer, uh, Fully Fully Progressive, Megalobox, Lucy Christian from Parasite, My Hero Academia, Food Wars, and many others, Erica Harlatcher. And of course, Kari Walgren, we have an interview with her from mm -hmm. and loads of others. I think we've been really blessed to have um, some a lot of talent willing to give us their time. And I really encourage you to go and, and hear their interviews. So definitely you know, check out the, the, the interview with Allegra Clark that I did with CJ at Anime mm -hmm. Expo. It was so good. So fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, it I like that good. interview. She's a good. dynamite lady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to move forward a little bit, I like to discuss some of the incredible characters themselves. Mm. When we think about women in the, these shows, I think I think the industry has made a huge evolution in the past 20 years. And today what we're seeing is a lot more characters take on protagonist roles that are strong in their own right. And while we all appreciate the fan service and certainly having, you know, a, 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 a damsel in distress is a great classic to keep the story going. Having a strong female lead is really inspiring, not just to me, but I think to anyone who's looking for diversity and further identity and personality in some of these characters. So I really would like to discuss from everybody, you know, who's a favorite of yours, a character of yours that you really felt did a great job of exhibiting this sketch? 
Oh, put me on the spot right away, huh? Uh, yeah. there, there are some obvious picks that I hope other people will talk about in greater length than I necessarily can. So, uh, let's see. Uh, in recent years, uh, there have been a lot of great female characters on Toonami. Uh, I'm definitely a Maki stan from uh, Fire Force. I think she's great, and Sarah, who voices her, is fantastic. Uh, I gotta give it to Kohaku from Dr. Stone, who is without a doubt like the most capable warrior in that tribe. She's a total badass, and she's also kind of the... <laughs> The, the voice of reason a lot of times when Senku's going off his rocker with his elaborate ideas is like, you know, you seem kind of evil sometimes. <laughs> and Felicia Angel, who plays her, is just so great in that role. And I, I think uh, she's, she's definitely a contender for uh, one of the better female characters that has appeared on Toonami. She's super cute, too. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. I have to say it. <laughs> Any Anytime that <laughs> that punk is like, yeah, but you're a gorilla, I was like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> I know. I, I, like, I, I like you, Chrome, that but that's, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I resent that reference. She's got her spear. She's strong. She's climbing trees. She's training the guys. Like, I don't get the gorilla reference. And so I appreciate giving her a shout out for her natural awesomeness in, in uh, Dr. Stone. Mm -hmm. I have actually noticed that the gorilla insult is becoming kind of a more common joke about women who are like quote unquote beefy i mean i'm looking mm -hmm. at some of these girls and i'm like no you're not you're not muscly enough to warrant being called a gorilla but i think yeah. it's also really just kind of a a crack at their non-traditional femininity as well mm -hmm. um yeah. it's definitely a more recent joke i don't remember seeing that in older shows even from like five years ago yeah i'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on there i feel like there have been some cases but like in the recent years of Toonami, like pr prominently, you had both Dr. Stone and Fire Force airing at the same time. And you had both Kohaku and Maki, and both of them getting that thrown at them. It was like, ah, come on. I like, right. I like my women with a little meat on their bones. <laughs> right. Well, and even in uh, Dragon Ball Super that aired at the time of this recording, it aired oh, last night. Yeah. Um, Cauliflower was telling Kale, because she was trying to get her to activate her Super Saiyan power in this episode, um, and she's calling her like, you look like a chimpanzee, you're a gorilla, like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, is this a new like joke? <laughs> I've heard it in three different shows in well, the course of I'm, like I mean, they are saying, so they kind of are. They're, they're literal gorillas. <laughs> right. But she's, but she doesn't look like it is the thing. She's this no. real twiggy looking girl with a cute ponytail. So that's why I'm like, okay, this is new. I don't remember seeing this as like a joke. In, or a trope in in shows Where's years the logic prior. there trying to get her to become like a gorilla by saying she's a gorilla? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Weird. <laughs> she's trying trying to make her mad. Strange. B-Lord, who is the favorite character of yours? Oh, I bet I can guess. I bet can, I can you sketch? Too. Can you really? I feel like I know where this is going. Probably mm. the same as Darrell's. I think she's a, a a very beautiful redhead with some fierce uh, theft abilities. Am I getting close? 
Yes, yes, Fujiko. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, I'm I'm a sucker for a good femme femme tao, but uh, like, Fujiko is just such a great character because, like, in the in the series where it's all about thievery and deception, Fujiko is always like on top of anyone. Like, she'll fool Lupin, Zenigata, anyone in between. It's like, it's just so entertaining, and it's awesome seeing a character. Like her, like a female character, just in a position where she has all the leverage and she's kind of coming out winning in the end. Mm-hmm. And I really love in like the recent Lupin series where they're really kind of trying to flesh that out more, giving her even more agency. Like I, I say the woman called Fujiko Mine a lot, but the woman called Fujiko Mine is like the definitive Fujiko story, in my opinion. Um, but even like part five has did a great job with her even her like limited role there and yeah i think fujiko is just really fun yeah you you can't go wrong with that and one thing that i really admire about her is she totally owns her sexuality like this isn't just she's going to be objectified and going to be a sex object for the male characters she is using that to her fullest advantage. She knows what's going on and she doesn't care. She's going to do what she needs to do to. Yeah. I mean, a big part of Fujiko's character in a lot of series is kind of self-identity. Like she's fully aware of like how people view her as this like quote unquote sex object, but Mm -hmm. she uses it to her advantage. Like she doesn't care what other people think as long as like she can actually come out on top from it. Like, and like being able to really kind of turn that kind of like discrimination against her on its head is just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's absolutely. very unapologetic about who she is and what she does. And that's what makes her a badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Celia. So one of the characters I want to talk about is Misato Katsuragi from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, just as a caveat, she does have a lot of issues, um, especially in terms of unhealthy like coping mechanisms and stuff. But she is very millennial with a capital M. Um, <laughs> you know, is she? I'm watching it now as an adult. I identified a lot more with her than with any of the younger characters. Um, even though I still really love Asuka, she's still one of my favorite girls from Evangelion. Um, Misato is definitely my number one. Um, even though she's experienced a lot of trauma and tragedy um, in her youth, one of the things I really like about her is that she's not afraid to go for what she wants, at least in terms of her career. Uh, You know, she joined Nerve, even though she doesn't fully agree with what they're doing, she has no problem utilizing their system to go up in the ranks to achieve her goal. You know, she is not necessarily on board with all of the underside stuff and is actually trying to find ways to undermine them while she's working on the Evangelion project. Um, But she fully believes in her pilots and does everything she can to make sure that they unlock their fullest potential. Sometimes she makes poor decisions. Sometimes her judgment isn't great, you know, and she experiences the consequences of that as a leader. But despite that, I think it makes her very strong. She's really good at thinking quickly on her feet and coming up with out-of-the-box strategies to defeat the monsters that come every week with every new episode. And so that's why I think she's a real standout. 
Yeah. I love her a lot. Excellent she represents choice. a whole character too, not just one thing like an action figure or or sex object or any of any of the one things we see in these female characters. She's, as you said, a very complex and, and whole character. And that, that really makes her compelling. Yeah, absolutely. Like the vulnerability with which she's written, where, you know, she has issues with relationships and the way she attaches to people and a lot of it goes back to her attachment with her parents like this is stuff that when you're reading like about uh in psychology and child development where you're like oh I can see where you know this she developed trust issues here like a lot of her focus comes from you know the nature of the relationship she had with her father which was already kind of in a strange relationship to begin with you know so those daddy issues kind of carry over to Kaji but it's not really portrayed in a way that's like this is a major downfall for her. It's she's just a person and every person has their baggage. Every person has their strengths, but it doesn't make them any less of a person. And that's one of the things I really love about how she's written in Evangelion and really a lot of the other characters as well, especially the adult characters. Mm. Absolutely. I had a lot of trouble picking a favorite character for of myself there are so many fantastic examples but i think when i when i think about toonami specifically the one that stands out the most is uh, major kusanagi from ghost in the shell i mean she's she's in charge of the squad of of men um and she's a fierce female character she's fighter she's allowed herself to be completely biologically redone to to have all these uh, technological capabilities um she, she, she's had a lot of different uh, uh, incarnations, you know, in, in the manga and in the series. So you see a lot of different versions of her that makes her, you know, fuller character. Um, she, she's got, I love the voice actress for her in, in the most recent uh, incarnation of the series. Well, not the Netflix one, I should say, the one that appeared on Toonami because it's like got a deeper timber. She... It, it, it makes her, in my mind, I, I feel like it matches her character more and not when you think deep, you think masculine, not at all for this character. I think it, it gives her a more, um, a, a more, a, a fullness that represents, you know, the long life she's had in the military um, and, and the struggles she's had and how she is just no nonsense and in charge, but she's also very calm and soothing, you know, listening to her, I just feel like, I feel the authority and I feel like she is. She knows what she's doing, and and she speaks that way throughout the series. So it's even though you know she has that full body cyborg, I still see her as like a prominent female character who I really admire. And of course, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't recognize. Yeah, there's a huge sexual element to her character, and they they love doing the fan service scenes where they show you know the the, the curvaceousness of her body and she's she's shameless but i think that adds to her strength the same way that it does to um Lupin's, uh female protagonist it gives the same thing to kusanagi she's owning her sexuality for what it is as as a cyborg and as a woman and she's unafraid of it and it doesn't hold her back in any way I have to wonder if with Major Kusanagi in particular that she's not if she ever consciously thinks about being a woman because in Ghost in the Shell you don't know the gender identity of the Major's ghost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know the, the cybernetic body is a woman 
but the actual gender identity of the ghost inside is a mystery and it has been since the original manga and even up through now um and it's actually kind of funny because she's always been portrayed as this like really strong buff you know uh cybernetic body really built for military stuff um but then when you get to ghost in the shell 2045 she's like this really skinny curvaceous kind of moe looking character it's actually a really yeah. funny contrast uh. um, <laughs> right <laughs> she's so but cute I, that ain't right, right? <laughs> and then they tried to call her a gorilla in that one too and i'm like no, they, guys, they, i was work. gonna i was gonna point that out it's like that that must be a recent joke because didn't make that joke on old ghost in the shells but no it is a joke actually in the original manga though because in the original oh, manga right, she right. is super beefy she looks like an 80s action suit like an 80s action hero in right. the manga but yeah i think that's a part of what makes her cool is that she is like, she looks like a woman and presents like one, but she's not traditionally feminine, and I don't think it ever occurs to her that at any point she needs to be traditionally feminine. She is a soldier, and she has a responsibility to her team first and foremost, and that's really cool. Well, there's plenty of other excellent characters to choose from. Obviously, Sailor Moon is chock full of incredible uh, uh, female protagonists. Um, Asuna from SAO. Haruko from Fulukuli. We have Sakura and Sarda in the Naruto and Boruto series. We have Ryoko in Kill Kill. Kame in Akame Got Kill. Uh, Marileona from Black Clover. I absolutely love this character, I have to say. She is really fierce and a lot of fun. If I were to pick someone I wanted to be in an anime, I'd want to be her. Uh, Maka from Soul Eater, who's really fantastic because she her, she's a, a, a equal partner with another male character, um, Michiko from Michiko and Hachin, Mikasa from Attack on Titan, just to name a few. Any thoughts on any of these characters? Well, if you want to talk about a character who um, she going to be how she going to be and she don't give a crap what you think, Michiko is the embodiment of that. Absolutely. <laughs> and she is yep. just rad, and Monica Rail's performance is fantastic. Definitely. 100%. Uh, we were talking about, like, damsel in distresses, like, earlier, and I do love in, like, say, Sailor Moon, um, where, like, it's kind of shifted on its head in a way, because Tuxedo Mask is always the damsel in distress by the mm -hmm. end of every arc. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of awesome in that way. And, like, I think in Sailor Moon specifically, like, I kind of love all the characters. Um, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm a big Sailor Venus fan and a big uh, Sailor Saturn fan. So, like, both of them, mm. especially, I, I just kind of really love their character arcs and kind of how they kind of find themselves throughout the series. But, honestly, I think Sailor Moon, especially for its time, just does a great job of really kind of exploring these characters that all come from, like, pretty different, like, lifestyles and like situations but they all are kind of trying to overcome it in their own way right absolutely there's an anecdote that goes around every few years about an interview with naoko takeuchi the creator of sailor moon mm -hmm. where she says when she's asked about the characters she says i created girls i wanted to be friends with yep and that's why so many people can connect with them and i really think that with those characters you find aspects of yourself or people that you know, and that's what makes them really wonderful. And one of the things I really love about Sailor Moon Usagi in particular is that she really provides an example of how you can have strength in traditional femininity. Like she's pretty, she's cute, she's very emotional, like things that would typically 
really paint her as someone who would be a damsel in distress. But it's through her relationships with her friends and the people that are important to her that she really draws upon her strength, sometimes quite literally, depending on what you're watching, you know, which arc you're watching or the movie. Uh, and I think that that speaks to a lot of people because we do find a lot of support from the people in our lives and the people who are important to us. And it's really cool. I like that uh, her emotionality and the fact that she is kind of a klutz and doesn't always do things right doesn't mean she's weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way Sailor Moon kind of, like, also just addresses maturity throughout its, yeah. like, story is also really interesting, especially, like, with Usagi, like you said, it's like, yeah, she starts off very much as a klutz, and, like, it's not like that ever goes away, but she kind of owns up to it, and, like, she learns to kind of, like, not necessarily feel kind of burdened by it, in a way, and just the way that she, like, kind of learns to kind of accept, like, situations with, like, her relationship with, like, uh, Mamo and, like, her fellow teammates. And by the end of the series, like, you really feel like she's grown, but it's not like she's changed. I think keeping that idea, it's like, yeah, becoming an adult doesn't mean, like, you're becoming this drastically different person, I think, is a very good message to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Haruko is such a complicated character, and we got to explore even more sides of her in the progressive and alternative seasons in um in alternative she's kind of not chaotic evil she's more of a helpful guiding presence for the most part but she's still got some of that chaotic nature to her but in uh, progressive she's like totally chaotic <laughs> yeah it's kind of interesting when you think about like the, the chronological order of everything it's like she became increasingly more chaotic mm, yes <laughs> which i suppose is what would happen <laughs> i guess so but that brings such an element of humor to the show and it makes it really pleasurable to watch yeah She's and also Jin Yu being the opposite side of her two personalities in uh in progressive is She's such a great character. <laughs> yeah. All of all of the like brashness and all of the caring parts on one side. <laughs> Cause she's she's very well meaning, but she's a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I I think that one of the benefits of having, you know, a podcast featuring these characters, it enables us to really highlight the work of individuals and to discuss the impact they've had on the industry and the impact they've had on Toonami in general. One of the things just from this discussion and from my research I've learned is what a huge difference it's made to have uh, the level of diversity that that these, these women have given. Um, as producers, as um, directors, as artists, uh, all of these things. And it's been really, really interesting to do that. And so we'll be posting soon an article that'll delve a little bit more into some of these things, hopefully on the Toonami Faithful website. But if there's, are there any final thoughts from you all you'd like to share on this topic? Sketch. Well, I mean, I feel like we shouldn't have to... <laughs> <laughs> make it a special occasion to talk about all these great ladies. We should probably do it more often. But uh, 
Simply put, uh, a lot of what makes Toonami as good as it is comes from all the people that work on it, and Absolutely. particularly the the very lovely people working over at Adult Swim, many of which are female, and they are making Toonami what it is. And we should be thankful for that. Mm -hmm. I certainly am. The Lord? Yeah, I mean, I would really just echo Sketch on that. Like, yeah, like a lot of what makes Toonami what it is is all the amazing female talent that's involved with Toonami and the shows that are on it. So, yeah, I think it's always great to bring attention to those. Celia? Yeah, I echo what they say. And then also that really we've barely scratched the surface here. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really when you look back from, on Toonami from 1998 onward, all the properties that have been on, all the, the women in the industry that have worked on all of those, the characters that are present in all of those that have made an impact on someone at some point in their lives. You know, the, so the stuff we've talked today is just the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole bunch more. Um, and I definitely think we should take more occasions to talk about it for sure. Oh, yeah. I love we, gushing about yeah. my favorite ladies. <laughs> we, yeah. we we didn't even, like, touch on many things from back in the Cartoon Network days, like all the Tenchi girls, Ryoko right? in particular. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't mention Faye Valentine and Cowboy Bebop won the tournament bracket. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh my God, we did true. it. <laughs> nope. We didn't mention Faye. You know, and like I have Lynn oh, Minmay from did. Robotech the Macross Saga on my list, but we just didn't have yeah. time to get to it. So, like, yeah. If you go back far enough, you can find it in every year that Toonami's been on the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, and it's it's great to see the evolution of their presence in these characters. It's it's not just the damsel in distress, and it's not just the fan service or the sex symbol. Oh gosh, we've it's come a long way character. from Relina. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh God, Relina. Yeah. Hero, come that... here and kill me! <laughs> Clearly the best female character. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, and this isn't to say that, like, we fully embrace where we want to be with diversity on these shows. I think that we have a long way to go, but we have mm. come a long way, and, and it's good that I think it makes a difference to have fans like us highlight this work and why it impacts us so profoundly and, and why we love these women to see, you know, how much more can we get out of these characters when, when we start seeing more roles that are less based on the, 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 the sidekick or the female love interest and more we're like the way we have shown in as, as mm -hmm. what you think of when you think of anime you know, we, we have uh, uh, characters and actresses and producers who take up that that um, oh, that thing you think of first thing when you say anime and tsunami. We mm -hmm. we definitely definitely come a long way. It's it's been it's been really fun talking about this topic. I'm truly thankful for our wonderful guests, and I'm really thankful to have all these incredible characters on tsunami. Love to hear your thoughts on some of the wonderful females of the show. Um, if you have some, I'm thinking we could do a Toonami talkback on this sketch. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Nice to see what people people should chime yeah. in with the hashtag Toonami talkback. 
on Twitter, and you can also email us at podcast at tsunamifaithful.com. And something that might be on the horizon for Tsunami, we can hope. And uh, great focus for this. I mean, Yashihime three-girl band show where all three of the main protagonists are female. And also, the um, ADR scriptwriter for that is Laura Stahl, who was um, in Promise Neverland as... Wow, why does his name escape me? <laughs> I'm being real bad with names right now. It's not Norman, it's the other guy. Ray. Ray. She yeah. she, uh, she played Ray. And she's uh, been some other prominent roles. But she is a uh, black f- female. And she is the scriptwriter for Yashihime. So, good on you, Laura right. Stahl. And uh, we, we look <laughs> forward to your scripts. And we hope Yashihime comes to Tsunami. Well, then we've got all the pro- the projects that are going to be coming up in the next couple of years, too, like being a pirate princess, Uzumaki. Yes. Mm-hmm. They both have female protagonists. You know, being a pirate princess looks especially cool. I'm uh, yeah. really down for that I'm one. It kind of hits a it. hits a nice nostalgia spot from Absolutely. the days of Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. And Uzumaki, which, as we discussed, is uh, being, uh, well, the biggest proponent, obviously, is Maki working really heavily with all the great people at Adult Swim. But um, if you have any thoughts on mega characters, talented voice actresses, female voices of male characters or incredible women in the industry that you'd like to share with us, please do so with either the Toonami Faithful um, email or... You can hashtag Toonami Talkback. Um, so let's do some house cleaning. You can email us at podcast at com. You can follow us on Facebook at Toonami Faithful Podcast and on Twitter at Toonami Podcast. You can listen to this and many other podcasts, including some of the fantastic interviews we discussed tonight on iTunes, Google Music, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Um, you can find every episode of the podcast streaming online at soundcloud.com and our faithful podcast, get the the latest articles, uh, editorials, reviews, and all kinds of great stuff, including an article accompanying this podcast on being thankful for the ladies at Toonami News on Twitter um views and reviews etc on tsunamifaithful.com and subscribe to tsunami faithful pass at patreon and that's it so sketch where can they find you well you can find me on twitter at sketch 1984 and you can uh, find me poking around the tsunami faithful discord v lord where can they find you uh people can find me on twitter at v lord gtz i also write various things for the Tsunami Faithful website as well as all-comic.com so go check out that stuff too and then I occasionally stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash vlgtz and then I host three podcasts because I for some reason like sucking up all my free time not sleeping. <laughs> you're busy yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh my main baby is the Demon Slayer podcast, where we talk about Demon Slayer Kometsu no Yaiba. Uh, that's on Twitter at D Slayer Podcast. Then uh, Dumbweebs Podcast, which is on Twitter at Dumbweebs Pod. And then my newest podcast, 
Oversoul Shaman King podcast, which is on Twitter at Shaman King Pod, and you can find those on all the uh, usual podcast services. Ooh, Shaman King. Anna was really great. <laughs> yeah, I, Sh- Shaman King you. is awesome. And I, I definitely have a thing for um, uh, the, the elder sister of the Tao family. Oh, June? Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. Celia, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Planets Twinkle. You can also find me on the Toonami uh, Faithful social media pages. I help manage those with the rest of the social media management team. So when you use the hashtag Toonami Talkback, or if you tag us with our username, I'll be one of the ones that sees it. And we'd be remiss if we didn't give a special thanks to Celia for her hard work. She is one of three female current members of the Tsunami Faithful crew. We've had a few in the past and a few guests, but she's a regular member. She does incredible work with the social media. Sketch, what am I missing? Tell me about how great Celia is. <laughs> well, yeah, she's, uh, <laughs> she's a huge proponent of the social media at Tsunami News. Uh, she and Daniel work together to live tweet the shows during Toonami to uh, post various other social media posts throughout the week. And she's been doing a fantastic job coordinating all of that. And I really want to thank you for stepping up and being such a valuable asset to the team. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Sorry. (laughs) We have another member too. Yes. Umeko, one of our staff writers doing wonderful work for us. We hope to have her on a podcast one of these days. She's got to get a microphone. <laughs> oh, one day. Yeah. One day. And my myself, and though I love playing this, you know, anthropomorphic demon cat on Twitter who uh, essentially is genderless, anyone who's listened to the podcast, you know, I am female. Um, thanks for tuning in to this special episode. It's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. I appreciate all the listeners and the support with articles we've posted. And and um, thank you for listening to this podcast. We are, of course, thankful for the ladies. But this Thanksgiving, we're thankful for a lot of things, despite this really, really tough times and this challenging year. Um, whatever you're thankful for, you know, take time to appreciate that and your friends and your family. And, of course, all of us here at Tsunami Faithful are thankful for you, the fans. So, Peace and happy Thanksgiving. so sad when i got this news yeah yeah it's not often that like celebrity passings really get me but mm-hmm. i had watched the yashahime dub literally the weekend before mm-hmm. for the new episode mm-hmm. i think the hard part when i heard the news was that he was only 47 and it's it's like 
you're, he was so young. It felt really sudden. You know, I don't know about his personal life or what health challenges he had. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter. It's it's a huge loss. And, and it, it's, it's such an impactful character from somebody we've loved, you know, we saw growing up with Toonami and even like just Yasha's impact in general. Right. Well, and like he's the same age as my boyfriend. And so it made me like freak out for a little bit, even though he's perfectly healthy. And I'm like, okay, he's fine. Just because this one person died suddenly doesn't mean he will. It doesn't mean that I don't get that feeling of, oh, shit, what if? So it was just kind of a extra layer on top of being disappointed that that he had passed so suddenly and it being was, saddened by it. it. It was just so shocking to see that day. Of right. Like, like, you're kidding. He, he, he literally just recorded. <laughs> I... Oh... Right. Yeah. I think one really of the things one of the things that makes me kind of sad, but also is a bit of a relief because I think it's going to be tough replacing him is I don't think Moroku is going to if he does have more appearances than he already has in Yashahime. I don't think he's going to have very many speaking roles because his Japanese voice actor died two years ago. Yeah, yeah I, it I did seems like that. they've been uh, very like uh, conservative with like using him and the other original cast members because like right. as far as I can tell, like he's only been in like flashbacks and like background scenes where he yeah he's not talking yeah and he's he's like like the most recent episode that i watched he appears in a flashback and he just nods his head and shakes his head and then walks away yeah he's like yeah i'm moroku just standing here doing my thing yeah and it didn't occur to me until i realized the situation with his actor that i'm like oh that's probably why yeah you know yeah He's really talented guy, though. He doesn't just do all these, you know, voices and 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 the voice of Morocco. He's been in Arrow. He's been in Supernatural. He's been on Stargate. Um, I think he's done uh, episodes of like Bones shows that I watch. He was Goku know? in the Ocean Dub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's a really dynamic actor, and he's he's in a lot of different science fiction stuff and. I think mm-hmm. it's it's just such a blow to the industry to lose somebody. You love having these character actors who are able to plug into these roles. Like they they make they make an episode or a series a whole, even no matter how small their role is. So it's it's just a, it's just such a shame and it's really a tragedy in my opinion. And he was in Hamtaro, but not say that. Yeah, his he's been in a lot of. Uh... A lot of great shows. I mean, for for Toonami, he was he was Troy Barton on Gundam Wing. He uh, he appeared in some other Gundam dubs. Uh, as as you mentioned, uh, he took over for Goku, I believe, when they got to like the Android cell, and was Goku, I believe, until the end of DBZ and uh, for the Ocean dub, which is, I suppose, the uh, longest any one actor had played him in the ocean dub because he had two actors before him peter calamus and uh, ian james Cortlett. oh yeah they really jumped around with that <laughs> yeah but once they settled in for kirby he he was goku for for however long and obviously he was also um cyclops on x-men evolution and mm-hmm. small Part of my childhood, he was Michelangelo on Ninja Turtles: The Next Mutation. Yeah. I I think he might be the first actor to portray a Ninja Turtle who's passed away. 
And yeah, that's just that's really depressing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Ocean Group does all kinds of recording, but I mean, as far as roles for him, the the biggest the biggest one's got to be Moroku. He's yeah. he was so great as Moroku. I love character in Inuyasha, and it all came down to his very smooth delivery. <laughs> like, come on, he's he was absolutely hilarious. Right. Well, and when you when you look at Moroku as a character, he's not a great dude. No, <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed you're to not. like him. But, but really, Kirby Morrow's performance as him made me go, "I like you. You're one of my favorites." Yeah. Uh, in the end, exactly. he's not a bad guy. He, yeah, he's at the end of the series, he gets like, better uh, by the end, but throughout he starts a out as quite a lesser. Yeah. he's very like, questionable. Yeah, like at the surface, uh, like surface level of his intro, like yeah, he's a creep, but. I think Kirby Morrow's performance there like really kind of sells you on him right away just because the delivery is so perfect. Right. He's very suave and smooth. And and honestly, I, I don't think I would have seen Moroku or liked him to the degree that I did if it weren't for that that acting that Kirby Morrow gave him. Like, mm-hmm. like, and as you know, he's supposed to be a little bit of a playboy, well, a lot of a playboy and a bastard, but I can't hate him because does such a good job with his character i don't hate him at all i'm i kind of root for him secretly like come on you can you can do you can you can do this you can do better <laughs> you, you definitely you, know root, you definitely root for him to you know kind of slow his role and actually get together with songo <laughs> right? totally it's like but dude you don't you don't gotta you be know? looking anywhere else you you just gotta romance songo and be a good guy I mean, to be fair, Sango could have done a lot better, but... <laughs> yeah. She, oh, my God. She could have. You're not I wrong, don't, I don't completely understand her attraction to him other than he's available. But... Well, I mean, the other options are... Koga. Sashomaru. Koga's not a terrible choice. Sashomaru is not exactly a terrible-looking choice. And Inuyasha. <laughs> Yeah. Which I mean, oh, at that point you get way. the death stairs from Kagoway. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Inuyasha needs another girl going after him. Yeah, well, we don't need to make that a quadrangle. Handle, he can't even handle what he has, so no, <laughs> it's good they didn't add that dynamic. No, but uh... he's comical. He's a little sexy. He's a bit of a bastard. He's like, he's a lot of things in one. And I don't think it could have been portrayed that way without Kirby Morrow. No, definitely not. God, I don't know what they're going to do, but. Well, I guess that's uh, up to uh, Mami Okada to figure out. Yeah. And. Kind of like we said earlier, it really kind of also depends, like, just how much Moroku is going to show up, if at all, at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so to say, I mean, we're certainly thankful for all the great performances that he brought us, and we're just devastated to hear that he passed away at such a young age. We appreciate all all he did for that and for other characters. I think it's going to be a bit like when Mako passed away. You know, Mako was Iroh in Avatar, and he was in Samurai Jack. 
And I think that, um, you know, it'll be something like finding an appropriate tribute to him would be really another talented voice actor, but certainly won't take away from all the hard work he did on this series and other series. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Kirby Morrow. Thank you for all your wonderful performances and our condolences to your friends and loved ones in this time. We hope that uh, you can find comfort together 